0: You're listening to the Vance Pittman Leadership Podcast. This is a conversation all about leadership, vision, and joining in God's activity wherever you are. You can follow along with today's episode using the show notes at hopechurchonline.com slash podcast or on your favorite podcasting app. Thanks again for tuning in today. We hope you enjoy this episode. Welcome to another episode of the Vance Pittman Leadership Podcast. My name is Scott Worthington. I have the privilege of leading alongside Pastor Vance here at Hope Church in Las Vegas. We're honored that you would carve out some time as a leader to listen to the podcast today. I heard even this week several of you uh, just reach out talking about how much this podcast has been beneficial for you. And so we're really stoked on that. We uh, we started this thing two years ago. Just um, uh, me as a guy who walked with Vance for for ten years and, and has learned so much from him, and and uh, an avid podcaster myself thought let's do this podcast thing. Um, and it's been awesome. So uh, it's been really really cool hearing feedback. If you do like the podcast, I encourage you to go online, give it a five star rating, uh, tell us on iTunes or Stitcher or whatever you're at what you like about the podcast, um, and uh, and we would love to hear your feedback. And that also helps get the word out. So. Um, enough of the housekeeping. I am sitting down here, not in your office. That's right. With Pastor Vance Pittman. Vance, where in the world are we right now? We
1: just landed in Columbia, South Carolina. Uh, we're recording this one all the way from Columbia, South Carolina. I am uh, speaking here at a conference tomorrow. So we brought the gear. We're in a hotel room. It's about 10 o'clock at night here. But real excited about the content, what we're going to talk about today, and looking forward to what God's going to do tomorrow here in South Carolina.
0: Yeah, so we have brand new headset microphones on. We are feeling high tech and on tour with the Vance Pittman <laughs> Leadership <laughs> That's Podcast. Exactly
1: right,
0: high tech baby. That's me. So as you saw in the title, three minute drill. If you're new to the podcast, we do these every few months or so. Um, really, really cool format. Basically, uh, we have several questions here written out, and then I'm going to just grill Vance on and um, kind of keep him to a three minute timer to try to answer these questions in three minutes or less, sometimes give him some grace and he goes over a little bit. But uh, some of these are some some questions that you guys sent in, but also some of these are some that as I was just thinking through what I've learned from Vance and the ways that I've benefited from his leadership, um, just things that I think could be really, really good to uh, record and to get out to the world. And so, um, Vance, are you ready for, we got several questions here and we are going to jump into the three-minute drill. Are you ready? I'm ready. Let's do it. All right. So question number one for the three minute drill, Vance, what have been a few factors that have contributed to faithfulness in leadership? You have been serving in ministry for 25 plus years. Um, and so what have been a few factors that you would say have contributed to faithfulness in leadership and in ministry for over 25 years? Yeah, man, I really appreciate
1: you asking it that way too, because it's actually getting real close to 30 now, but, uh, Almost it. as
0: old as I am.
1: Yeah, I don't, let's, not, <laughs> let's not go there. But no, it, honestly, uh, to answer that question, there are really four things, and I'll go ahead and mention all four and then kind of come back and, and unpack them a little bit. Uh, the first would be just intimacy with, with the Father. The second is investment from others in my life. The third would be involving others in leadership decisions. And then the fourth would be an intentionality about learning. I think all four of those things have contributed in a major way to um, the, the last almost 30 years in ministry. And, and the first one is a given. We've talked about this many times on the podcast. But for me personally, everything rises and falls on time alone with the Father. And that's true for me emotionally. That's true for me in leadership. That's true for me physically. If I'm not walking with Jesus, I just, I just don't lead well. Um, and, and we shouldn't be able to as, as spiritual leaders in particular, but just time alone with Jesus, just relearning again that lesson that everything he wants to do through me, he'll do out of the overflow of what he's doing in me. Secondly is this investment from others in my life, always making sure that there are people further along on the journey that are speaking into me. I still have a guy that I meet with once a month who uh, is an executive leader, has been an executive leader. He's a Christian, but was not involved in in spiritual leadership in the church, but leveraged his leadership in business for many, many years. Um, I still meet with him at least once a month. We used to meet weekly and just get coaching uh, in my life. I love getting around other pastors. I did that just uh, this week, was around some other pastors, just gleaning wisdom from them, some of them further along the journey than me. And so that's a a big key. The third one, involving others in leadership decisions. Um, Man, if you're going to be involved in leadership every day, you're going to face decisions that you have to make. And I've, again, said this on the podcast before, but, and you can go to another one of our podcasts and and maybe we'll put it in the show notes where I go into this in detail. But these three things, my input is never enough, my perspective is always limited, and my flesh is always deceitful. And so since my input's never enough, my flesh is always uh, deceitful and my perspective is always limited, I need to make sure that I'm bringing others into the equation of making those decisions. Don't ever make decisions on an island. Every time I've done that, I've regretted that decision. And then the final one, is to be intentional about learning. Never get to the place where you think you have it all figured out. Because the bottom line is, we don't. We never arrive in leadership. There's always people we can learn from. So you got to build some intentional patterns about learning from others to continue to develop as a leader. Leaders are learners. And there's no substitute for
0: that principle. Ladies and gentlemen, three minutes and two seconds. Man, that Vance, when can we get you to do that on a Sunday? <laughs> it's not going to happen. It's <laughs> on not a Sunday, happen. if Vance only went over two seconds, that would be a miracle. Yeah, that's like um. a sign of the end times. <laughs> so that was some solid, solid stuff. Again, a lot of these, I, we kind of just already, before we hit record, kind of talk through some of these questions. Um, these are definitely going to be like pausers and go back and take some notes. Um, there's just some really, really good stuff, not only in that last question, but coming up. So um, that was a solid, solid thing first question. Here's the second question for you, Vance. What have been a few major struggles or roadblocks? We already talked about almost 30 years of ministry and leadership. What have been some of the major struggles or roadblocks that you've experienced as a leader?
1: Yeah, the first one, Scott, I'm really, um, you know, it hurts my heart to even have to share the first one, but it's just reality, and it's my own flesh. Uh, It's probably the biggest struggle I have in leadership, and that is the reality that my flesh is not getting better, it's getting worse. And one of the lies you want to believe as a spiritual leader is that as you grow as a leader, as you grow in spiritual maturity, that somehow your flesh gets weaker. But the scripture teaches us exactly the opposite. Paul says, uh, The outer man is decaying. Yes, the inner man's being renewed day by day, but the outer man's decaying. Man, my flesh learns new ways to deceive, new ways to trick, new ways to seduce. My flesh is wicked. And constantly having to deal with a battle of my own flesh and then secondly to relearn some of the same lessons. I make the same mistakes, the mistakes of confidence in the flesh and confidence in my ability and confidence in my experience, having to come back and learn again over and over again, that it's all Christ in me and it's who he is. And the only thing that qualifies me for leadership is Christ in me. It's nothing that I bring to the table. It doesn't matter if I've been doing this 30 years. So just the battle and the struggle of my own flesh, um, is, is, is a big, big struggle for me in leadership. And I've, I've said this before, and Scott, you've heard me say it to our church. If our church knew the thoughts and intentions of my heart at times, there's no way they'd listen to anything I have to say because my my flesh is still, I'm still at war with my flesh. And until Jesus comes again, I will be. And so that's that's the first one. The second one is making hard, what I call, quote, people decisions as the ministry grows, If you're in an organization or a ministry that is growing, um, you put people around you in leadership positions to lead alongside them. And what happens is as something grows, not everybody who's qualified, gifted, and able at one level of leadership is as qualified, gifted, and able at the next level of leadership. And as an organization grows, if you don't make the hard people decisions you become the one that's putting lids on the ministry to be able to continue to grow or the organization to grow and not only that you're limiting the potential of the people around you because you need to make those decisions not just for the best of the organization but you need to make those decisions for the best of the individual because they're going to struggle they're going to feel frustrated and they're going to feel like failures not being allowed to flourish at the level that they're gifted To to lead in. So making those hard people decisions is tough. The third one is, and again, this is somewhat rooted in my flesh, but just not taking it personal when people leave. When you're in ministry, there are going to be sometimes good and sometimes bad reasons that people are going to choose to leave and to go be a part of another church, go be a part of another ministry team, go be a part of another organization. And I know that God calls people away, but man, it's so hard not to take that personal. You wanna know, I wanna know how have I failed them and how did I disappoint them, so that's a big deal. And then the last one is that leadership is just lonely at times. Mm. When you are at the top of an organization or a ministry, from a leadership standpoint, understanding we're always in submission to Christ, but when you're kinda at the top of the org chart, the bottom line is nobody else has your perspective completely you're the only one with that vantage point. And that can be really lonely at times. And, and sometimes that's been a struggle for me in ministry, just
0: dealing with that loneliness in leadership. That's good stuff. Jumping on to question number three, uh, what qualities, Vance, do you look for someone um, to mentor disciple you, you? What are the qualities, what are the characteristics you look for when you're looking to, to mentor or disciple somebody?
1: Yeah, mentor, and mentoring and discipleship has been a big part of my life. I was When I first came to Christ, I had the opportunity to be mentored, discipled, and then a little later on in my journey, had another guy that God brought into my life. You've heard me quote many times named Clyde Cranford, who really, for a couple of years, mentored and discipled me. And so for the last 25 years, I've had a group of guys that I have met with uh, for about a year to two years at a time. And I don't even have an idea how many that would be now, uh, how many numbers of men that I've met with over the last 25 years over those, those periods. It's usually groups of three to five guys. And usually I look for a few things. Uh, one of them would be I look for people that are hungry. Um, I don't want to make – I don't want to um, select somebody that I've got to chase down all the time. I always have to remind them that we're going to get together. They're, they're, they're not showing up. I want to know that somebody is hungry, that they really want to go to the next level in their walk with Christ, their leadership, their influence. Secondly, I look for people that demonstrate the Christ Christ like quality of humility, um, which always to me leads to teachability. I think the defining mark of Jesus in the Gospels was humility. Um, He humbled himself, and what's tragic is today in a lot of Christianity, humility there is such a that there's such an absence of humility, and I think it's a, it, it, it speaks straight to the heart of Christ likeness and, and who we are and, and how we're living. But uh, that, that, that I want them to be hungry. I want to know that they're they're humble and they're teachable. They want to learn. I'm not looking to get into a room and debate. Mm. I want to know that somebody's ready to learn, they're teachable. And then the last thing, and this, is, this may be the one that surprises people, is I'm looking for people that already are people of influence. Um, sometimes we look for those people and say, man, if I could just get— if I could just create a platform to, to use that person, but God's given people already the influence that some of them, the influence that they have. And I want to find some people that already have influence, pour gasoline onto that fire and know that you're really going to be able to have impact. So I'm looking for people that are, they're hungry. They want to, to grow. They, they have the desire. There's a humility and that leads to teachability about them and then there are people that already have influence in the lives of others. I want to raise up other leaders that can, that can, uh, that can carry on that that mantle of of discipling and mentoring others. And so I'm looking for people that already have some influence in the lives of other people.
0: For those of you who are listening, Vance, for the people that are listening that hear mentor discipleship, um, just give us like because that was under three minutes. Great job. Give us like a snapshot. What did those mornings look like with those guys? Is it? you're not preaching a sermon to them. You don't no. get the pulpit out. What's, yeah. what's that look like? Cause some people hear that and they think, what is mentor and discipleship? What does that look like on a weekly basis? Yeah.
1: Well, for starters, it's more than that one morning a week. Uh, it's really following in the pattern of Jesus for me of just doing life with a group of guys and in, in my situation, it's guys and my wife's, it's been, been ladies. But for me, it's a group of guys that I'll spend a year to two years with and we just kind of do life together. Um, you know, I'm texting them regularly. I'm checking on them. I'm, I'm praying for them. They're praying for me. Uh, but then there is that gathering every week where we come together. Uh, mine usually is at 6 o'clock in the morning. On a, on a Wednesday morning is when I've done it in the past. Um, and we come together, and we just meet for hour and a half or so. And uh, in that meeting, uh, the first few minutes of it just feels like a bunch of guys hanging out. We just get together and say, man, what's going on in your life? Mm. Um, and after we each share from our heart stuff that we're dealing with in our marriage or our jobs or our kids or, or whatever it is, then we just spend some time praying together. We pray for one another. We, we go before the Lord with each other. And then for me personally, what I've done uh, for the last 20 years is I've taken them through uh, the stuff that Clyde took me through. So Clyde's content was put together in a book form after Clyde, my mentor, died Uh, Multnomah published his book called Because We Love Him. And I took, I take his book and I just assign them a section that week to read. And then we come back and we just have discussion. I facilitate discussion. It's not, it's not a teacher pupil format. It's a facilitated discussion around shared content. Um, And then sometimes we punt the book. And what we'll do is we'll take the proverb of that, whatever that day is. And I'll just, kind of walk through reading Proverbs, and we'll just look for what wisdom is teaching us through Proverbs to kind of teach them how to um, study Proverbs and how to read Proverbs, because that's something I want the guys that I spend time with to walk Mm -hmm. away with, is that daily discipline of reading the Proverbs. So those are some of the things we do in that group, and then we'll usually once every couple of months we won't meet for our group we'll meet up at a restaurant just do breakfast and just hang out and Mm -hmm. then i usually invite those guys to my house to watch ball games and i'll have their families over for dinner and so we just kind of do life together for that year to two years and then at the end I challenge them to do what Paul said, to take the things that I've entrusted you and teach them the faithful men who will teach others also because it's about multiplication of disciples and not addition. So I want to know that they're now taking that content and multiplying that
0: in the lives of others. That's good. That's good. Um, What is the biggest challenge leaders face in 2020? Great question.
1: I don't want to assume that I know the biggest challenge of every leader in 2020 But I can tell you what the biggest challenge is for me in my context. Uh, For me in my context, without a doubt, it is navigating um, the hostile, political, cultural environment that we live in, in the midst of a culturally diverse church. Hmm. Um, God's blessed me beyond measure to be able to pastor a church in Las Vegas that he allowed me to plant that is I think, one of the most multi-ethnic, multicultural churches in the United States. I've, I preach a lot of places. I've never seen anything like what God's done at Hope. I know there are others out there, but it's just very unique. We have 54 languages represented in our church. I mean, Sunday we had right at 3,500 people, and man, it just looks like the nations. We had a guy not too long ago preach for me from South Africa, And he looked at our church and he said, I'll never forget. He looked at me and said, man, it's like the United Nations in here. Mm -hmm. And then we just had a guy preach at our church who literally wrote a book on multi-ethnic ministry. And he preached at our church and said, Vance, I wrote the book, but I've never seen it like this in a church it's an incredibly multi-ethnic church. One of the great blessings of my life and I can only thing I can say is God did it because three white guys from the Bible Belt moved out there to do to plant a church and God birthed a multi-ethnic <laughs> fellowship. It's a total work of his grace. But man, it's it's challenging in times like today. Mm. Uh, when society is wanting to rip itself apart on the lines of culture, uh, and race and background Um, and the political climate being what it is. And and at the end of the day, I mean, the reality is Jesus is not a Democrat and Jesus is not a Republican Mm. and Jesus is not even an independent. Mm. Jesus is about another kingdom altogether. And yet we're living in a world today in America in particular that has chosen sides and it's trying to suck the church into that, um, and our church, man, we got as many Fox News watchers as we got MSNBC watchers. It's all across the map. And the, when you're pastoring and leading in an environment like that, to me, it is incredibly challenging. It keeps you desperate for God. It keeps you dependent upon him in prayer. And it's also encouraging that, that it's not new. When, when the church began in the book of Acts, the first problem in the church in Acts 6 was not a theological problem. It was a cultural problem. When the gospel engages a city, then the church will become a reflection of that community because the gospel is no respecter of persons. So we took the gospel to the city of Las Vegas. Well, guess what? The church looks like Las Vegas because uh, the gospel is no respecter of persons. But the challenges of dealing with that from a cultural standpoint demand prayer, the word, and dependence
0: on the Holy Spirit of God for sure. That's awesome. Good, good stuff. A couple more questions here before we finish up. How do you raise up the next generation of leadership within your organization? Yeah, when you think about uh, raising up leaders,
1: there are several steps in the process um, to raising up leaders. And I, I would say that when I when I thought about this question, I think there are really four parts to the process, but in naming these four parts, know that there is no one method. Mm. Uh, these are components. You have to understand your organization, you gotta understand your context, and you gotta make sure you have these components but but the components i think are cross cultural they're transferable and and they are first one is just identify new leaders you got to you got to find them you got to identify those new leaders the second one is you got to equip new leaders once you find them you got to train them you've got to equip them you've got to prepare them for leadership third you must empower those leaders um you got to give them that position of leadership you got to set them free empower them give them not just res- a, a responsibility but give them the authority to carry out the responsibility nothing is more frustrating for a leader than to be given responsibility without the authority to carry that out so you got to identify new leaders you got to equip new leaders you got to empower new leaders and then fourth you must coach new leaders and coaching is once they've been empowered, you continue to walk with them. You stay involved uh, with them in an ongoing way that, that, that communicates with them. And part of the coaching process is allowing them to make some decisions and allowing them to fail, allowing them to make some mistakes, and then coaching them, not criticizing them, but coaching them. So again, there's no one method, a lot of ways to do it. But those components, I think, are a part of every method. You got to identify, you got to equip, you got to empower, and you got to coach. And then I'll just give you this leadership reality. If you plan to, excuse me, let me say it again. If you fail to plan to develop new leaders, you plan to fail in your mission as a leader. So you have to have
0: a plan to develop new leaders. That's good, good stuff. One last question for you before we wrap up our South Carolina tour of the podcast. What are you constantly doing personally to ensure you continue to grow and develop as a leader? Great question. I'm going to give you four R's. I'll just mention them, and then I'll come back and unpack
1: each one of them just a little bit. Uh, The first is relationships. The second is reading. The third is rhythm. And the fourth is rest. So to grow and develop as a leader, they need to be relationships, reading, rhythm, and rest. So for me, relationships is about having people in your life um, that are constantly speaking into your life. Now, some of those are, like I talked about earlier, people that are further down the line than you in leadership that you can glean from their wisdom. But in addition to that, I have a team around me at Hope. One of the things that we're, we major on in our culture is team leadership. Uh, Nobody makes decisions on an island. We lead together. I think when you look in Scripture, you see team leadership modeled. You see it in the way Jesus led the disciples. You see it the way he entrusted leadership to the disciples. You see it in the New Testament pattern as Paul began to lead. Paul, maybe the greatest leader in the New Testament outside of Jesus himself, and yet every time you read the name Paul in the New Testament, the the word after Paul is almost always and— Because Paul was never doing anything alone. So it's about having relationships and leadership. And I said this earlier, leadership can be lonely, but you cannot wallow in the loneliness. You've got to be intentional about cultivating relationships with people that you can learn from and people that you can lead with. There's the two phrases. You need relationships with people you can learn from and people that you can lead with that are sharpening you and shaping you as a leader. Secondly is reading. Um, I said it a minute ago, but leaders are learners, and one of the best ways to learn is to be reading. At our church uh, here in Las Vegas, um, we actually have as a policy, if you are ministry level on our staff team, so any ministry directors, uh, ministry leaders, or pastors, to even qualify for a merit raise at the end of the year, you have to have read at least a book a month. If you don't read at at minimum one book a month, it doesn't matter how well you perform, you don't even qualify for a merit raise because we believe that learning is mission critical to leadership. And reading is a great way to do that. And some people say, I'm not really a good reader. Listen, you don't have the
0: option of whether or not you want to read. If you're going to be in leadership, you need to be a reader. It's funny real quick. uh, I've had several guys, a lot of young guys say that. "Ah, I'm not a reader. And I always joke with them. I said, if I gave you a 200-page book, and told you if you read this book, you will learn how to make a million dollars a year. All of a sudden, they became a Absolutely. reader. <laughs> like it's just the motivation that's, towards the end of the line. That's a hundred percent correct. It's they
1: don't. It's not that they're not a reader. They don't value yeah. reading, and what you just have to begin to cultivate. And listen, I, I'll be honest. I in high school into college, man. I was not a reader, man. It just wasn't my thing. I wanted if if I had time, I wanted to go play ball. I want to play sports. Um, but it's, it's as I begin to develop as a leader that man I just reading and if you study leaders leaders read man it's just a it's a consistent quality of leaders in the church outside the church Christian non Christian doesn't matter got to be a reader number three is rhythm uh, and, and by rhythm I mean making sure that I've established a healthy rhythm of work for me. Um, I need to make sure that the rhythm is healthy. And that's something that I have to evaluate at least once every year, sometimes two or three times a year, because it's easy to get out of rhythm. And so I need to need to make sure that I've laid out the major blocks that are my responsibility and make sure that I'm building my schedule around that rhythm. Because what happens is the immediate uh, gets all the attention instead of the important. And you have to plan a rhythm of work so that you're working on what's important instead of what's just immediate. Uh, So rhythm is very important for me to continue to grow and develop as a leader. And then finally, rest. Uh, I've had conversations in the last couple of months with at least five pastors that I know personally who are struggling with burning out and giving up. And it's all about this issue of rest. They've, for some reason, convinced themselves that it's unspiritual to rest And I would argue that the Scripture teaches strongly that rest is a biblical principle to be obeyed. And so for me, if I'm going to grow and develop, relationships,
0: reading, rhythm, and rest are the keys. So that was, it looks like almost 27 minutes of just solid, solid leadership content. So again, I encourage you, um, we're going to do one more thing before we finish up, but maybe this is uh, something just kind of honed in on where you're living in leadership. You want to get your team around to hear that and dialogue about that. But those were just some solid gold nuggets there from Pastor Vance. But uh, I had an idea that I threw at Vance um, and he, he was down with it. So we are going to end the podcast today, Vance, here in South Carolina with uh, a little word association game, okay? I have 10 words here that you have not seen. Uh, I have not. And just because this is kind of on the cuff, three-minute drill, uh, we have a few minutes before before kind of our normal target for the podcast, I'm just gonna say a word or two, and I just want you to say the first thing that comes to your mind. Now, again, this is a Christian podcast, Pastor Vance. <laughs>
1: <laughs> so, now I'm getting nervous. Here, here
0: we go. Here we go. Here's some word association. This is just for fun. Um Here's here's the first one. Las Vegas. Home. Unburdened. Greatest book ever written. <laughs> <laughs> we'll talk about that in a minute. Uh, difficult.
1: Mm. Parenting
0: adult children. Wow. It's a new phase for me. Yeah, it's good. Discipleship. Joy. Social media. Hate it. <laughs> Follow up. At Vance Pittman (laughs) right now. Uh, Leadership. Mm, That's a good one, man. I'm
1: struggling to come up with a word. Uh, Responsibility. Mm. Humility. Jesus. Hope. My family.
0: CrossFit. Awful. (laughs) And last but not least, your favorite. Food. Life's greatest joy. Hey, thank you so much for tuning in to the Vance Pittman Leadership Podcast this time around. We'll be back, as always, in the month of April, but Vance mentioned it, Grab Unburdened. Vance is a brand new book on Amazon. You can get digital platforms, all that stuff, Unburdened. It's a great, great, great book. I have been learning from it for 10 years, and I just read the book myself and uh, loved every minute of it. So go grab that book. Vance, thanks again, man. We are peacing out from South Carolina. All right. See you next month. Thanks again for joining us for the Vance Pittman Leadership Podcast. You can find all the show notes on your favorite podcasting app or at hopechurchonline.com slash podcast. Be sure to subscribe so you don't miss out on any upcoming episodes. We will be releasing a new episode on the first Monday of every month to help you and your teams lead like never before.